To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning is the second reading or the epistle for this Sunday after the Epiphany. You heard it read before from Romans chapter 6. I recall just these words. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was baptized in the Jordan River, and who baptized all of us with the Holy Spirit in our baptism, my beloved. Miracles are events that only God produces. Because Jesus is God, during his visible earthly ministry, he did a whole lot of miracles. You remember that one time he changed, miraculously, 100 gallons of water into 100 gallons of wine. Miraculous, changing the inorganic into the organic. One time he changed a raging storm into peaceful calm for some frightened uh, disciples, fishermen out there on the Sea of Galilee. He changed a blind man into someone who could see with perfect vision, not only optically, but also spiritually. So many times when Jesus did miracles, he changed things. They were one way, and then he changed them into something else. Although you might not think so, God's miraculous events did not stop with Jesus' ascension into heaven. They still occur daily throughout the world. Now the theme of this Sunday is baptism. <clears throat> so I'm talking about the miracle of baptism. Every time a baptism takes place, a miracle occurs. You can't see it with your eyes because it takes place in the soul. What takes place on the outside has miraculous effects for what's on the inside. So by the way, for, of these words from Romans chapter 6 this morning, let's take a look at the miracle of baptism and see how it converts and it comforts and it encourages. And there are really two sub-thoughts for the message this morning, too. And that is, you cannot do what baptism did, does, but if you're not careful, you can undo what baptism did. I'll say it again. You cannot do what baptism does, but if you're not careful, you can undo what baptism did. Baptism, of course, was ordained by our Lord Jesus Christ before he ascended into heaven when he said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So baptism is the application on a living human being of just simple, plain water along with the powerful words of God, which has the power then 
to change a person from unbelief to faith. Now, the Bible gives us quite a few different descriptions of what baptism does, and they all have to do with converting or changing something. First of all, the Bible says that baptism cleanses you or washes you. St. Peter said, Baptism is not the removal of the dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. In other words, baptism doesn't clean you like a good hot shower in the morning. Instead, it cleanses your soul of the dirt of sin. And when sin is removed, then you no longer have anything to be ashamed of, and so you have a clear conscience when you stand before God. Ananias, speaking to Paul, said, Get up and be baptized and wash away your sin. St. Paul said to Titus, He saved us through the washing of rebirth, the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So baptism is a washing or a cleansing. Secondly, baptism works new life. And I think you've heard me uh, speak about that several times, that we have a physical life, which is our relationship with God, and you have a, a, a physical life with our um, enjoying the blessings of this world, and we have a spiritual life enjoying the blessings that we have with our God. And, and what we learn from Scripture is that a person who was only born once physically is going to die twice, physically and spiritually. But a person who was born twice, physically and spiritually, is only going to die once, physically, because then that person will be in heaven, alive with Jesus forever. So baptism brings life from death. St. Peter also says baptism saves you. Did you ever think about that? Water can save too. St. Peter says God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Do you ever think about that in the flood when the whole world was enveloped in water? Noah and his family were saved by water because it lifted them up in the ark. All the other people drowned. Here's one of my favorites. St. Paul says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Did any of you ever attend a uh, costume party? We had a lot of costume parties when I was pastor down at St. Paul's. We did it around Halloween time. One time I had such a great costume, people came to the house, they didn't know who I was. Baptism covers us up with Jesus so that when God the Father looks at us, he no longer sees us in our naked sinfulness, but all he sees is Jesus because we're covered up with Jesus. And then in the words before us this morning, St. Paul says, we were buried or placed into the tomb. We were buried by baptism into death. Baptism brings to us all the benefits that, uh, that Jesus had when he uh, suffered and was buried. Namely for us, that, that gives us the forgiveness of sins. And at the very same time, baptism, uh, Baptism, water can also drown someone. St. Paul says, if you look in the Greek, we were buried by baptism with Christ into death. Now, I think St. Paul was uh, referring to baptism by immersion. 
where you take a person and for a few seconds you hold them underwater, then you have to bring them back up. St. Paul was referring to the fact that when you push that person underwater, you're drowning the old Adam, that sinful nature that they were born with. When they come up out of the water, they emerge as a new creature, a believer in Jesus. So, there's baptism. It does what you can't do. It miraculously changes things. It cleanses you. It gives you new life. It clothes us in Christ. Our old nature is drowned by baptism. That's what baptism does, something that you can't do, and that's why it's such a great gift from God. But we asked this morning, why do we need baptism at all? You know, when babies are born, you take a look at them. We've got one on the way in our family. And they're born, and you say, pull them in your arms and say, oh, what a little cute, cute, little bitty baby. So cute. Here's how the Bible describes us at our birth. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them. When you're born, God's word is foolishness to you. St. Paul goes on, he says, As for you, when you were born, you were dead in transgressions and sins. We have no ability to respond to God at all. When we are born, it's like a corpse lying in a casket, unable to respond to God. St. Paul says the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And believe it or not, we were born actually actively hating God. And that's why St. Paul also had to tell us, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Any relationship that we have with our God is his doing and not our own. But you know, this morning, we could look around here and we would say, you know, but pastor, for most of us here, that's all a sin of the, uh, a thing of the past because we were all baptized many years ago. Did you ever get out your baptismal certificate and look at the date? Some of us many years ago. And because we were baptized and we're sitting here this morning, we don't hate God anymore. His word is not foolishness to us. We are not dead in sin, but we are alive in Christ. Through our God-given faith, we are saved. So what does baptism have to do with us now? Besides converting us, baptism also comforts us and encourages us. Have you ever had one of those times in your life where you didn't really feel like a very good Christian? Perhaps you did something or where there was something that you were supposed to do and you didn't do it and you felt really guilty and you wondered if God could ever forgive you? Perhaps there was a time in your life where you didn't feel like your faith was very strong at all. And you didn't know if God could love you anymore. One time, Jesus' own disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. You see, in times when we are down, it is at those times that we can say, but I've been baptized. God loved me so much that he reached down and called me to be his own. He did it all because he loved me so much. 
And as his child, he will continue to love me. It's not what I did for him. It's what he has done for me. Let baptism comfort you. And then finally, baptism is meant to encourage us too. St. Paul says, we were placed in the tomb or <clears throat> therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. I don't know if you recognize that or not, but there's all, already in your life with you, there's been a death and a burial. That time when we used to be joined at the hip in our addictive relationship with Satan as the first love of our life, that's all over. It stopped at baptism. The unbelieving era of your life is a thing of the past. That part of your history is dead and buried. Been there, done that, don't want to do it again. Relationship with Satan is dead. Why would you ever want to go back into that old relationship of love for the devil and unbelief? And so St. Paul encourages us this morning. You can't do what baptism does, but be careful because you can undo what baptism did. None of us can ever go around saying, you know, I've been baptized. That's good enough. Now I can do anything that I want because I'm going to heaven. Wrong. When you start to detach and reattach, things go wrong. When Christians detach themselves from the voice of the Lord and reattach themselves to the idols of the world, unbelief can set in. And believe it or not, idolatry is still the biggest sin and temptation of our time, even here in 2016. The devil uses it to pull Christians away from Jesus. Here's how it works. 2016. The only thing that matters is now. The past is totally unimportant and has no relevancy for my life. The future has, is unimportant and has no relevancy for, for me or for my life. Now is all that matters. And because now that is all that matters, I'm going to do everything right now to make myself happy. And I'll do anything to be happy. There is nothing more dangerous than self-centered idolatry. It's the sin of our time. It was the sin of Adam and Eve, our very first parents. And if you notice it, and you take a look at the Bible, the devil really never has anything new. All he does is just repackage it. Same old stuff. You see, what God's word is all about is that the past matters. Man sinned, and Jesus hung on a cross because of you. Without the shedding of blood, you have no future. There really is a heaven and a hell. And you will have to face one or the other in the future. So make plans for the future now. Now is the time to think about the past and the future. And when you do, it changes your whole way of thinking about the now. Now is the time to believe. 
God graciously attached himself to you through baptism. And he doesn't want you detaching yourself from him and reattaching yourself to the idols of the world. You heard the voice of your Lord for the very first time when he thundered into your heart with holy baptism. And he wants you to continue to listen to his voice each day because he has so much to say to you. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Continue to listen to his voice. In baptism, it converted you. Now it comforts and encourages you. Baptism produced miracles. May God always keep that miracle alive in you. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand. Peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. On page 8, we say a part of the catechism, Luther's small catechism. This is the third article talking about of the sacrament of holy baptism. Let's join together. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Word of God tells us that the Holy Spirit works through the means of grace. But we ask, how can water used in baptism do such great things? Certainly not just water, but the Word of God in and with the water does these things, along with the faith which trusts this Word of God in the water. For without God's Word, the water is plain water and no baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism that is a life-giving water, rich in grace, and a washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit. As St. Paul says in Titus chapter 3, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. We take this time now to gather our, gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.